Hello, it's David here. Thank you for listening to The Leader and please do subscribe. It's dead easy. Just hit the button on your podcast provider. You can share us too. On social media, use the hashtag The Leader Podcast. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Beirut after the blast. In Beirut right now, um, the sound of sirens, the, the sound of glass being cleaned up and shattering. From the city, journalist Nada Homzi on the anger of the people following the deadly explosion. We also speak to Ahmad Beirum from Save the Children about the rescue operations. And you don't really want to be in a country where the president says he's going to ban you every five seconds. So it makes sense that they would kind of be looking somewhere else for HQ and not the US. The Evening Standard's Amelia Heathman tells us about TikTok's apparent plan to base their global HQ in London. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, how Beirut is trying to recover. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. It was a blast of such magnitude it was heard 100 miles away, a three-kiloton explosion that caused devastation in Beirut. On the ground, rescuers have been pulling survivors out of the rubble, but the death toll is still climbing. Meanwhile, the cause appears to be being narrowed down to a welder working at a warehouse at the city's port where 2,750 tonnes of highly explosive ammonium nitrate were being stored. The country has declared three days of mourning. From there, I'm now joined by journalist Nada Homzi. And Nada, what's happening? Uh, the situation now is a little bit calmer than yesterday. Obviously, the uh, the cleanup process has begun. We've been hearing the sounds of cleanup. It's pretty ubiquitous in Beirut right now, um, the sound of sirens, the, the sound of glass being cleaned up and shattering, the sound of rubble being, uh, you know, um, pushed aside. And, and there's still over 100 people missing. So right now they're just trying to pull the dead out of the rubble and, and look for the, the missing people. There must be an urgency to find out exactly what's happened here, Nad. We understand here in the UK that they're looking at a welder possibly igniting the explosion. Yeah. 
Uh, we still don't know what happened for sure, but that's what's being said, that it was possibly a welder that caught uh, a building on fire. And it, we think that that warehouse caught another warehouse on fire, and that's the warehouse that had uh, uh, ammonium nitrate. But Nada, that must be pretty scary for people if an explosion like that can come out of nowhere uh yeah it's it's pretty scary the prime minister yesterday said on live tv that the materials in that warehouse had been there since 2014 and that they'd been unsecured um so it's uh, initial investigations already seem to be pointing towards just uh, negligence and mismanagement uh which it, it sort of feels a little bit like in addition to a financial crisis, an economic crisis, hyperinflation, a dollar shortage, the pandemic, the poverty rate is over 50% already. So in addition to this, the, the explosion just seems like Lebanon is trying to commit suicide at this point. It's destroying itself from the inside out. Are people angry? Yeah, people are angry. Um, there was a protest this morning in front of the Electricity du Liban, which is the central, the government electricity company. If there's any truth to it, and it is really negligence and mismanagement, I think that people are going to be a lot, a lot angrier once that's proven. Already, as you know, since October 17, we've been um, experiencing a mass of protests that have sort of petered out, but they keep coming back every once in a while. So they're very sporadic protests, but people are very, very angry and don't know what to do about it. Thank you, Nada. Well, an enormous recovery operation is also underway. Save the Children's Ahmad Bayroom joins me now. Ahmad, it was an enormous explosion. Any rescue effort must be incredibly difficult. It is indeed. It is. I mean, this is the day after the you know the blast. The aftermath is uh, is is a shock. Everyone is trying to take it in. Personally, I live uh, a few kilometers away from the scene, but I can tell you that it felt like it was right at my doorstep. I thought it was an earthquake, to be honest. There's no sound. At first, there's something shaking uh, beneath you. And then there was a little bang. Um, afterwards, you, you, you start to hear people screaming, windows uh, uh, crashing. And then came the big blast, which, uh, which I mean, for me, I, I still can't recall what my reaction was, except for, you know, try to make sure that everyone in the house was okay. Um, I live on top of the building. Um, I just wanted to make sure that everything was okay. Uh, everything is intact. Uh, I was of the lucky few, but uh, I know that for the little girl, little boy who are, you know, a few hundred meters away from the scene, I can't imagine what it was like seeing, you know, doors, you know, falling over your head windows getting smashed on the you know it's it's uh, it's crazy and this it's that split second which leaves you you know wondering what is going on and how is that rescue operation being conducted what are you having to do we are of course for now uh, waiting uh, for the you know the uh, for bodies for example to be pulled out uh, from under the rubble for the full count of the casualties and then after that, our role will come to um, assess the needs and move on to the next stage of, you know, the beginning, the very, very beginning of, of uh, recovery. I would invite everyone who has uh, seen these images to go out and donate, uh, go and contribute. It's, um, I, can't, I can't, I mean, we're sitting here talking about an issue while 
you know, families, children are out there trying to find their loved ones. There are children who are now, unfortunately, inhaling toxic gas uh, in, in Lebanon. I, I mentioned that the authorities are calling on everyone to stay indoors. But these children are staying indoors, but they are still inhaling these, these, these toxicities because, you know, they have now no doors, no windows, nothing. They, many of them are, have spent a night um, in the open. So really, it's, it's a disaster on a national scale. And honestly, uh, organizations like Save the Children are trying to provide hope. We are, you know, trying to alleviate uh, this, this struggle for the thousands of families and their children in Lebanon, and particularly in Beirut. Next. So many people, they don't realize that TikTok is owned by a Chinese company. It's the same way so many people still don't realize that Instagram is owned by Facebook. You know, it's obviously just part of the image that it's trying to curate. Amelia Heathman, could TikTok be coming to London? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're not one of the 90 million viewers of a video of a llama dancing to this song from an old Russian serial commercial, then TikTok is probably a bit of a mystery to you. There are, to be fair, quite a lot of questions about the Chinese-owned social media platform, like does Beijing have access to its user data? That's denied by the company, but the US is suspicious and nearly banned it. Now, Microsoft might be stepping in to buy it, taking over operations in the States, Canada, Australia and New Zealand, but not the UK. Now, here's another question. Could TikTok open a global headquarters in London? It appears to be on the cards, and our editorial column certainly hopes so. The possible Microsoft deal covers four of the countries which work together in the Five Eyes Intelligence Sharing Network, but not the fifth, Britain. Quite why that is hasn't been made clear. One reason might be that Britain has been in the running for TikTok's global headquarters, and possibly still is. The government here says it would be a commercial decision, but it should back the plan much more enthusiastically. It's a rare chance for Britain to take a lead in social media. Whether TikTok will still want to come here, after China promised retribution for Britain's defence of Hong Kong's rights, is another matter. But we should welcome the Dancing Llama to London. 
Our tech journalist Amelia Heathman is here. So Amelia, what do we know about this London deal? TikTok has has been looking to do a UK HQ in London for a while. This was put on pause in July following the uh, wider geopolitical context around the UK banning Huawei from its 5G telecoms. But now it's potentially looking to open a global HQ, so not just a UK one, like its main head office, um, as long as the deal is approved by UK ministers, which is a massive deal for London because obviously the other social networks have offices here, but we don't have a global HQ. Um, And, you know, the initial UK HQ could have brought created 3000 jobs. I think of the potential of like a global HQ for London from TikTok, which, you know, given the state of affairs at the moment is probably, you know, obviously the jobs and the money and investment it would bring would just be massive. Yeah, the UK economy's taken a hit because of the coronavirus pandemic. We're also looking at a post-Brexit future. So something like this could be really significant for the UK. I wonder if those strains between the UK and China over Huawei might affect things a bit. So ByteDance, which owns TikTok, that's initially what kind of cooled the briefings, um, the initial talks. But now it looks like it's back on. I mean, particularly for ByteDance, they want to have a HQ outside of the US, they say, to better serve their global users. Um, and if TikTok is obviously growing, you know, just massively, it's like it's had two billion downloads. It's got 800 million monthly active users. And for an app which is just about two years, just over two years old, like has huge, huge reach. And it's obviously just growing. So um, and I mean, if you're you don't really want to be in a country where the president says he's going to ban you every five seconds. So it makes sense that they would kind of be looking somewhere else for a HQ and not the U.S. And TikTok themselves have categorically denied that there's any risk over user data, haven't they? They're trying to push themselves almost as a Western company. I wonder if basing their HQ in London might be part of that strategy. Oh, yeah, definitely. So it would be a massive PR image for them. Um, The thing is with TikTok, so ByteDance is the big company that owns it. It has TikTok, which is more of its kind of global app. And then it has Doyin, which is its like Chinese version of TikTok, where all its Chinese users are. So that's how it's able to kind of have this separation. Um, And it says that it kind of stores all its data, you know, away from China. So it doesn't have those potential issues with the Chinese government wanting the data. Um, And there's so many people, they don't realize that TikTok is owned by a Chinese company. It's the same way so many people still don't realize that Instagram is owned by Facebook. You know, it's obviously just part of the image that it's trying to curate. Like you said, it's only been around for two years. How has it got to the size that it has? The money they've spent on advertising is just massive. Like it's, you know, you might have noticed, I think it was last year, it was just constant advertising all across the different social networks. And I think it comes from the fact that it's really different. You know, it's a short form video app. People make videos up to a minute and it's all served via this algorithmic feed, which means you just go on the feed and you just can just end up in this just constant stream of videos and um it kind of has because of this algorithmic nature it sort of has the potential to go viral more than instagram um which is almost more of like a closed shop if you just kind of stick to your own like personal accounts that you follow um obviously the the coronavirus pandemic has had a massive impact as well you know people are spending more time online than ever people aren't connected to people in the same way and, you know, a lot of celebrities have come onto it, but it's not without its issues. You know, the Indian government banned it recently alongside the likes of WeChat because they were saying that the apps were collecting data illegally and secretly collecting information from people's phones. Um, it has to be noted that this followed clashes at the India-China border in the Himalayas. But it's also really fun, you know, 
you can just spend like half an hour just watching some random stuff and obviously it has its issues but in general it feels less dark than some of the other social networks. And that's The Leader. You can keep up with all the latest developments with the Evening Standard's live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. We also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from The Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Bye.